Well, good evening, LCM. Tonight is July 20th, 2023, and the title of our message is The Faithfulness of God. Look, tonight is going to be reinvigorating. It is our aim tonight that no one leaves here joyless, hopeless, and fearful about what God is doing in our midst and what is in store for our futures. While we were preparing for this message, we realized that between the three of us, we have a total of 38 years serving the Lord collectively. Now, while that is not that impressive, when you consider that Elder Charlie alone has us beat, there is something that we have gleaned from our collective time of being in the Lord's service. There is one predominant lesson that we have learned in our time in the kingdom, and it is this. Adonai is faithful to his people. Say he is faithful. Between the three of us, volumes could be written about our own experiences with tragic failure, stumblings, heart attacks, and missed opportunities. Through all of these, there has been one overarching and underlying testimony that we can see pointing to the character of our good and gracious God like the brightest neon sign in a rearview mirror. Tonight, we are going to make every attempt to achieve through the word and our own testimonies what we have been preaching on for two weeks, to set our eyes on the majesty and character of our great God and high priest. We encourage you to join us and participate in this message. We need your help in preaching this message tonight. We expect your verbal response as we elevate the character of God. Tonight, we are going to look full in his wonderful face. And we are going to find the things of this earth grow strangely dim. Look, we have a lot to discuss tonight, so we want to get right into it. Let's pick up right where we left off on Sunday. In Psalm 73, verse 21 through 26. Verse 21, when my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered. I was senseless and ignorant. I was a brute beast before you. We realized Sunday that we were there on Sunday. We were there all week. And we've been here many times in our life. On Sunday, we realized how we got there. It was by looking at everything around us and not focusing our eyes on our king. You see, our hearts begin to decline, starting with a foolish heart, then a futile heart, slipping into an afflicted heart, all the way to the point of heart failure. We're learning not to focus on the nasty things around us, because if we do, we will become just like them. This week has been a week of introspection, deep repentance, and rooting out everything that causes us to not set our eyes on the king. But there was something in Sunday's message that was so moving, and that was verse 23. While Asaph is saying, I was senseless and ignorant, I was a brute beast before you, out of his next breath he uttered these words, yet I am always with you. 
How am I always with you? You hold me by my, by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, and afterwards, you will take me into glory. Who, who have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail. In fact, they often fail. In fact, it happens all of the time as I see the light of the Lord's presence shining on my heart. But, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Asaph is recognizing in his deepest, darkest moment of ministering before people and yet failing to be ministered himself, he's recognizing the sovereignty of God in his life. He's acknowledging, my heart may fail, and yet you are the strength of my heart. While Asaph felt like he was slipping, God was holding on to him still. He never let go of Asaph. And we find the same thing at work in our lives, that the moments that our hearts failed, we felt like we were slipping. God was still holding on, and he had not let go of us. Asaph's heart decline did not prevent God's strength from taking hold of him in power. You see, the message tonight, church, is simple. God is powerful. God is strong. Despite our lack of strength, despite the failures of our heart and our lack of power, God is powerful, and he's been demonstrating that in our lives ever since the day that we came into his presence. Is Teresa fired up? Yeah, if you know me bit. and you know us, we're fired up. Oh, yeah. This this is the... Oh, come on. Man, I am standing here today because this is my life story. Though I gave up upon myself, he was still standing there pulling me along. Yes. And I am here today because he has not given up on me and he is not going to give up on you, saints. See, tonight, is our, it is our singular goal to elevate this attribute of God, his faithfulness. We want to tell you from the jump, unashamedly, this message is not about you. It's most certainly not about me or anyone on this stage. It is about God's faithfulness to be able to deliver his people. Come on. Is that what you came to hear? Come on. Come on. He is stronger than our hearts. He is stronger than our hearts. 1 John 3.20 states this plainly. It is so clear that he is holding on to us. Even if, we even if in the moment we choose to let go, it does not change his faithfulness. See, he has not let go even when we think that we are about to let go. Saints, as phones are going off, we're going we're to push that to the side. See, I don't know what y'all's week last week looked like, but it looked like I thought I was about to let go and the Lord had me all along. See, that passionate love, faithful God who he is and who he's never changed. I had an encounter with him on Sunday because he had me all along. That allows me to look at his faithfulness and to know that my God's got me. Come on, we're realizing that God is holding on even though our best attempts to let go. Is that not true? Yeah. Has this last week, has not that proven to be true? That even the areas of your own walk, that it may have seemed that you tried to let go, but the Lord's like, uh-uh, uh-uh, Nick, come back here. No, I got you, my son. I got you, my king. He got us. 
You got to be God. Amen. Amen. Got him. I've been hanging around with Linton a little bit. Let's let's get back to the word. Let's turn to lemon. Let's turn to Lamentations three one through five before I get myself in trouble. We all worry, man. Don't worry about it. Gosh. I yeah no we we got it. Let's let's move off. I am the man who has seen affliction by the rod of his wrath. He has driven me away and made me walk in darkness rather than light. Indeed, he has turned his hand against me again and again all day long. Wow. He has made my skin and my flesh grow old and has broken my bones. He has besieged me and surrounded me with bitterness and hardships. Saints, doesn't this, doesn't this sound absolutely terrible? Yes. yes. And yet, haven't we all been there? Yes. Many times? Many times. This last week? Yes. Today? Yes. Yes. See, the truth of the matter is that it is worth celebrating that God lets us get to this point. Yes. It's a truth worth celebrating that God even lets us get to this point. See, Job 5.17 says it plainly. Blessed is the man whom God corrects. Man, we're a blessed people because we love correction. See, he has been and is still faithful to place us in situations that cause us to cry out. This is the very proof, saints. Listen to me. This is the very proof that he's not done with us yet. See, if he's holding on to us and he's also correcting us, what does that mean? Though I may feel that my own soul is in the depths of Sheol, what does that mean? I am not because the Lord is not and he's pulling me up out of that very moment. So in those broken bone moments, we should be excited and full of joy because that means our God loves us and he is with us. Say no cry. No, cry. no, salvation. no salvation. God is faithful to allow us to get to the point that we realized that we had a sliding heart. Is anybody like me? I had a sliding heart last week and it's not until Sunday that we got into the sermon that I realized, wait, no, I didn't just... I didn't love the Lord into getting his revelation. He saved me in spite of my sliding heart. God is faithful to allow us to get in these situations, right, where we've gotten ourselves into, but he is faithful to wake us up, to grab a hold of us, and to bring us salvation. Psalm 18, pick it up in verse 27, says, you save the humble. You're not going to get saved if you're not humble. But bring low those whose eyes are hardy. You, O oh Lord, keep my lamp burning. Oh, come on. LCM, I want to tell you, the lamp of God is burning in this place. The lamp of God has not gone out in this community, and it is not going out in your life because you are here. A few weeks ago, we talked about Jesus walking through the church of Ephesus, walking through the lampstands and examining it. The Lord is examining our lampstands, absolutely. But he is keeping our lamps burning, and that is worth praising him. Amen. Jeremiah understood that it was the faithfulness of God that allowed him to sit in darkness for a time. For a time. This was for a purpose. David recognized that it is the same God who turns darkness into light. He's not afraid of the darkness. As a matter of fact, the darkness accompanies him, right? He comes down in a cloud of darkness. He's not afraid of, afraid of it. He actually turns it into light. 
He keeps our lamps burning. He is wonderful and a faithful God who has never stopped our development, taking us from darkness to light. Go with us to Psalm 34, 17. Psalm 34, verse 17. The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all of their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. A righteous man may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. He protects all his bones. Not one of them will be broken. You see, Jeremiah is lamenting before the Lord, and he understood that God was the one who faithfully broke the bones that needed to be broken. David recognized that it is the same exact God who heals those very bones as if they were never broken in the first place. You see, our God has never stopped delivering us. He has always been close to you, church. He has broken us and he has healed us many times over. Many of you sitting in this room tonight, if you're like me, you look past on your life and you think, man, it's been a lot of up and down. It's been a lot of this and that, zigging left and right. Not very stable, it seems. And yet, when you notice the sovereignty of God in your life, you'll notice that it is the same God who was breaking your bones so that it could be the same God that would heal your bones. You are here tonight because God faithfully put you in situations where you needed to cry out. You remember the moment when you were first lit on fire with passion for God? Did you think that your bones needed to be broken prior to that event? He revealed to you your great need because he was breaking you down. And then the same God healed you after you cried out to him. You see, our lives have made up of many of those moments where it is the same sovereign God leading you into a broken situation, but picking you back up so that he can restore you and heal you in the same moment. That is why you are sitting here is because the sovereignty of God has proven faithful in very intimate details of your life. If we handed the mic to every person in this room, we can go for hours telling testimony after testimony of bones that God broke, but he healed afterward. And now you're walking around with adamantium bones for the presence of God because he has strengthened you. Come on, church. Let's turn to Jude 24 through 25. says, to him who is able to keep you from falling. I'm I'm just going to say it again. To him who is able to keep you from falling. No, hold on. When you read the book of Jude, this is kind of like a toast. It's at the very end of his letter. So let's do this like a toast. Everybody raise your glasses with us. To him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ, our Lord, before all ages, now, and forevermore. Amen. 
L'chaim. Come on, church, the overwhelming fact that he is able, he is able to keep us from falling. See, the proof of that, does anyone need proof that he's able to keep you from falling? Exactly. The proof is that everyone in this building is still here. See, it's better than what you were. You right now is better than when you first entered this building. So, okay, so you right now, the you now is better than what the you you were before. Is that right, Spencer? Yeah. As a matter of fact, you better than you were a month ago. And you better, Sunday has made you better for it. We are in a, uh, in a time, in a season of unparalleled growth in our body. And right along with it, we've had some heart slippage. You know who's not surprised? The Lord. You know who showed you who, who showed you that your heart was slipping? The Lord. He is not, he is not surprised, by it, surprised by it in the slightest. Our God is faithful. In the midst of this faithfulness and us realizing he is able, man, we're coming more familiar and we're realizing our propensity to, to decline in our own hearts. See, we, I have looked at that and you can look at that and be discouraged or throw away all the good fruit along with the bad. But not anymore. I will not be discouraged because I am personally learning this. And that this does nothing but magnify our God's ability to pull us up in spite of our frailty. See, I'm no longer looking or being discouraged of where I once was or the areas of growth that I need to be. I'm no longer standing here saying, yeah, Sunday, I had all four of those heart failures and I was standing and I had to get prophesied to the Lord. No, it is God's grace. He was pulling me up. I'm here because of that. How could I look back and, and, and have nothing but gratefulness and thankfulness of God I am still here. You're able, God. Come on, come on. See, I, see, he is able to present you to himself without fault. Sounds like Ephesians 5. Come on. See, he is able to. Wendy, just as I am able to present you to me without fault and to the Lord without blemish. See, the failures giant. of today, of yesterday, of last week, they don't matter. Because what the Lord is doing is just as I'm pulling you up, the Lord's pulling me up. And we're all together as a body of Christ, pulling each other up together, and he is getting us to where we need to be. See, he is... Challenge me to a good time. See, he is able to bring you to the end goal of your faith. He is able. Not only is he is able, who is at the last one association? I'm going to bring it back. No, we is able. We is able to accomplish the life call that he has upon our life. We is able. Woo. Woo. Hey, you don't, wor- you go- you don't got to worry about us getting in trouble. We stay in trouble up here. So the truth of the matter is, yes, we screw up royally. Again and again. Yes, we in our 38 years of combined kingdom experience, we still have many things to work on. But our salvation did not, does not rest on our ability, but it rests on his. You know, he, he caught us while we were slipping. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. 
So he's not intimidated by it in the, in the slightest. All we have to do and all you have to do is resolve your heart to not give up. To not uh, give up putting these things into practice. To not stop engaging his faithfulness. To not stop engaging his steadfast love and his justice every morning. You hear me, Rick? We will not give up. And the Lord is delivering us. So let's turn to the book of spiritual warfare to see what we can uh, learn about this certain confidence. Ephesians 1, 17. In that old faithful. I keep asking. So Paul was a faithful father and a faithful minister. He didn't stop asking. That's the message. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation so that you may know him better. You know who wants you to know him more than you want to know him? The Lord. He wants you to know him better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. Come on, Pastor Wade. In order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. And, somebody say and. And, and his incomparably great power for those who believe. You have an incomparably great power available to you because you believe him. We sang that song in worship and we could have kept singing it. Why? Because it's, it's getting down in our bones. No, we believe that God is faithful. Therefore, we believe he'll be faithful in our lives. Therefore, we believe that we can be faithful just like he is. You have an incom incomparably great power available to you. So warfare is no trouble. That power is like the working of his mighty strength which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. See, Paul is making sure that he's very thorough so that we get the picture that there is no power above him. There, there is no one who is stronger than him, no one who is more able than him, and he is the one who has you by your hand, and he is pulling you up. He is lifting you. He has not let you go. Many times, we've had to have our eyes open. Can I, can I be transparent about my life? I had to have my, my eyes open on Sunday. The pastors preached my life. I was starting to feel what I called a, a burden, a burden for the sheep, a burden for, for, for my brothers and for the lost. But that burden wasn't actually producing faithfulness. It was producing blah. It was producing worry and anxiety. Do you know that your God is faithful? Yeah. See, I learned on Sunday that my God is faithful to speak the word that I need so that I might carry out ministry the way that he, he needs me to. He has called you to the hope. Not just a hope. Not an not a option of hope. He's called you to the hope of all the ages. His power is incomparably great for you who believe. Do you believe? Yeah. There is none like this power. This power is at work in you right now. I, I promise you, the, the power of God is at work in this body right now. And like we said before, we've experienced uh, unprecedented growth and unprecedented fruit. And we're not going to stop. Yes, we're in a season of warfare. We're hand to hand with the enemy, but we're not going to be overcome because his incomparably great power is at work inside us. Turn with us to John 6. As we're going to John 6, as you're listening to this passage, we want you to let this sink in very, very deeply. Because it contains Peshat statements of how the Messiah 
and his father feels exactly about you. Verse 37 says, All that the father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. Oh, I can tell you how many times I thought I couldn't come to him because I felt like he would drive me away. You know what I found? That he has never driven me away. The many and numerous times I have actually come to him humbly, honestly, with the desire to fall at his feet and ask him to change me. He says here, I will never drive that man away. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, <laughs> what was his will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all that he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. I want everybody to look at me right in the eyes. God's will for you is that he loses none of you that are sitting here right now, but he eagerly desires to raise you up with him at the last day. That is his heart, his desire towards you. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in Him shall have eternal life, and I will raise Him up at the last day. Church, He is a lighthouse. He is a sure anchor. He is the strong Savior beckoning for you to come to Him at all times because He is strong enough to save you. And he will never drive you away. Despite how bad you think you've messed it up. Despite your own internal fears and inner workings of the mind. And your best attempts to disqualify yourself. He will never drive you away as long as you come to him. Amen. Those who come honestly and humbly. He will never cast out. And I am a living proof of that statement. I didn't make it here just because of macho bravado or just because I was stronger than the rest. No, the more you're in the kingdom and you see people fall away, you tend to think that this is just a survivor's game, but it's not. It all rests in the power of God and your ability to come to him and have him save you. His will is that none will be lost. He wants, say this with me, he wants to raise me on the, last day. on the last day. And the good news is that he can raise you on the last day. Your faith in his strength. Your faith in his sacrifice. Your knowledge of his faithfulness to you. Your entire life absolutely determines the passion that you have for him. And the response that you have along the way. And the, and the good news is, is you have all of the testimony in the world, church. He's done so many incredible things in your life. You have the supreme, intimate knowledge of his inner workings in your own life. Doesn't knowing this now change the way that you look at other people? Knowing this about the Lord and who he is and how he has held on to you, and it will change the way that you see other people. Knowing that the Lord's holding on to you will, will change your own attitude that you can have for your wife. Yeah. You know, this is the same attitude that you can have for your wife. Yeah. 
Y'all just heard me. I'm, I'm encouraging my wife of what we've had in the last two weeks. How can I do that? How can we do that as brothers in our mashlam ka and our life-giving speeches? Because he's holding on to us. Yeah. This invigorates us whenever brother comes and says, hey, man, this is what the Lord says about you. He's pulling you up just as the Lord is, and it invigorates you to do it for, for others. This is the same attitude that you can have for your wife. This is the same attitude you can have for your kids. This is the same attitude that we can have for our disciples. See, there's no area this doesn't touch. There's no area that we cannot be the representative of God's character on earth to your coworkers, to those in Kroger, to wherever you're at. There is no limit to us being his hands and feet. See, knowing what the Lord has done for you and how he feels, feels towards you enables you to have hope for others. Amen. I have hope for others because I had no hope in and of myself. And the Lord gave me a supernatural hope and he lifted me up and he showed me and he keeps showing me time and time again that he's not going to throw me away, that he's not going to give up on me, that he's not just here to punish me and he's a taskmaster. No, he's a faithful father who is holding me, who will hold me and will always hold me. And that gives me hope that when I'm looking out there and I'm seeing my son just royally messed it up. No, son, come here. I know what it's like. I'm going to discipline you, but it's because I love you. I'm going to hold you up because you've fallen down. And I'm going to raise you just as the Lord has risen me. And together we're going to worship the Lord in truth. And we are going to accomplish what he has for us. See, because we are human, we tend to not be able to understand the depth of God's faithfulness towards us. Is that true? We we treat him kind of like we treat each other. Right? We look at God with carnal eyes. We, we honestly, we do. We often mistake uh, him for being ungrateful, vindictive, fault-finding, misunderstanding, and fickle. But he is none of these things. Absolutely none. No, he is holy. He is altogether different and altogether better. He has proven that he is greater. And you know that because you're here. He has proven that he is greater because, like, like, we, like we've been saying this entire time, our best attempts to screw it up have resulted in his mighty right hand lifting us, lifting us out of the muck and the mire. See, this often occurs, though, when we're self-focused. We fail to actually believe what the Bible says when we, when we look at God based on what we're able to do. Do you want to see how, what the Bible actually says about how God views us? Yes. With that said, we want to go to Psalm 103 so that we can see how our Father actually views us. But before we do that... We want to ask you five very important questions to see if you qualify to receive the benefits of this verse. You ready for five questions? We need your participation right here. Question number one. Do you love the Lord? Yes. Question number two. Do you want to serve him forever? Yes. Number three. Do you want to do his will? Number four, do you want more of his holiness in your life? Yes. Question number five, do you desire to avoid anything and everything that displeases the Lord? Yes. Well, if you answered yes to all five questions, then this psalm is how the Lord feels about you. Let's get into Psalm 103, starting in verse one. Praise the Lord, O oh my soul. All my inmost being, praise his holy name. 
Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. Praise him, church. Praise him because he is the God who forgives all your sins. All. He heals your ailments. He is the powerful God who forgives who forgives you and forgets and bestows on you a new character time and time again. Come on. Pick up in verse 4. Who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. He is the God of your redemption. From the first day you met him until now, he has not stopped redeeming you. He has been bringing you up from the pit since day one. He is crowning you with more love and compassion for others. Verse 5 says, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Oh, church, he is the God who satisfies you with the good things that you didn't even think you deserved. You thought you were unworthy, but he has never failed to satisfy you with his promises. You are here with renewed strength because he continually places boundary lines in pleasant places. This is true in my life. I remember when I thought there was no chance I would ever be married and have a wife. I remember thinking I would die before I had the chance to have kids. I remember thinking there's no possible way that God can give me a ministry team. I thought there's no way that I could ever teach, preach, whatever. And God has given me and satisfied me with good things, even when I thought I wasn't worthy of it. Verse 6, the Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. See, he has been working righteousness in your favor all along, church. See, you have never stopped growing. The Lord is working, and he is allowing us to walk in a righteousness and in his favor. Yeah. See, your light is shining brighter and brighter with every season of judgment and correction. Amen. Let's, let's get a better amen. amen. Verse 8. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. Praise he God. does not treat us as our sins deserve. Or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. So let me tell you, tell you something you already know. This is not for those who are perfect and have it all together. This is for you. Because you fear him. You fear him. Therefore, he's talking about you right now. The proof that you love him is that you want to serve him. You want to do his will. You want more of his holiness in your life. You desire to avoid anything that would displease him. Get this in your soul, church. So great is his love for you. And these are not just words. He's proven it to you in his sovereignty again and again and again. Verse 12. You see, the reason we asked those five questions was for your benefit. Yeah. So that you can know that you qualify for this verse. It says, so great is his love for those who fear him. If you love him, if you desire to serve him, you're a person that fears God. And you need to understand that despite all of the enemy's attempt to make you believe you're something that you're not. You are people who are sitting here who fear God. And this verse is about you. It's not just poetry. It's not just a song that's sung. This is actually God's character towards you because you do fear him. 
Want to know how I got this verse? I was crying out to the Lord thinking I screwed up my salvation like I left the Lord on a fork in the road way in the past and I could never get back to him. And I was searching for anything that would show me the truth of who God is in that situation. And I found this verse and it dawned on me. I still fear the Lord. I may feel like I've screwed it up, but I still fear the Lord. His love is still great for me. Listen to verse 12. So far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. Not those who are perfect already. Not those who have a perfect track record. Those who fear him. For he knows how we're formed. Better than us. He remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower in the field. The wind blows over it and it is gone. And its place remembers it no more. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him and his righteousness with their children's children. With those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts. Look, if anyone thinks that this message is about the ability to sin and get away with it, and he'll just still forgive you, you're in error and serious danger of being cursed. But you are people that fear him. And that's why this is true of you, because you, you sit here with something that God put inside of you that you didn't conjure up, you didn't make up. God put it inside of you, and therefore this is true of you. He is the God of your salvation. He is a strong and mighty God who is able to deliver on His promise of bringing you to completion in Christ. Your confidence tonight can be restored in the ultimate plan of God for your life because he is strong and he is faithful to accomplish it. All of you in this room must know that God is able to bring you to the end goal of his stated purpose for your life. He is able to do it. He is mighty to keep you on the way during rough seasons and blessed seasons alike. He is still the same God through it all in all. You can have confidence in who he is and his ability to safeguard you and your calling to the end. So you found an area where you messed up. Good. You're finding an area where God is showing his strength to be capable to help you out of that. And that proves he will carry you to the end. Let's look at David's last recorded prayer before he hands over the kingdom to his son and then dies. Does that interest you guys? Before we get there, note that this prayer is the culmination of David's heart towards the Lord. After reflecting on all that the Lord has done for him and his family. See, David was definitely not perfect, and he made many mistakes. But he recognized the power and faithfulness of Adonai that never gave up on David. And therefore, David's heart ran after the Lord. Let's all turn to 1 Chronicles 29, starting in verse 10. David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly, saying, Praise be to you, O Lord, God of our father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor. For everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, O Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. 
You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. At the end of David's life, he realized that all greatness, power, glory, majesty, and splendor, it all belonged to God. David could not take any credit for any of it. Not even for the temple. The Lord gave it to him. He's like, no, your son's going to do this. See, at his end of his life, he realized that it was the strength of God's hand that kept him close. And that he alone has the power to give strength. At the end of David's life, he realized that his strength was not in and of himself, but it was God's mighty right arm pulling him up along the way saying, come here, my son. And he is the one who gives strength. So we can glean from David's life, right? He's reflecting on this at the end of his life. And you are reading it for your benefit. Realize now that it is the strength of God's arm to keep you close. Not your own. Based on his strength. Based on his strength and his ability, you draw near to him. Right? It's not the other way around. We draw near to him based on his faithfulness and his ability to save. Go with us to verse 13. We got to get that. Now, our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you. And we have given you only what comes from your hand. We are aliens and strangers in your sight, as well as our forefathers. Our days on earth are like a shadow without hope. Oh, Lord, our God. As for all this abundance that we have provided for building you a temple for your holy name, it comes from your hand and all of it belongs to you. All of it belongs to the Lord. See, at the very end, after recognizing the sovereignty of God in his entire life, through all the ups and downs, and David had plenty, and so do we, David's heart is responding in gratefulness and thankfulness for all the Lord has done. So like I said, and David was a man who did this throughout his entire life, but we're learning about it right now. So how do you respond right now to the Lord's goodness to you? If you are in this place, regardless of how much you've screwed it up, you've zigged and zagged, you've been up and down, you respond in the same way that David did, in gratefulness and in thankfulness because the Lord is the one who got you to this point. David stood in awe at the power of God to perform his will in his own life, and his response was pure love. David's response to God was pure love. It wasn't task-oriented. It wasn't something that we get to do to earn his good graces. His response to God's faithfulness to him was love. It was affection. It was adoration. And it was faithfulness. It was obedience. It was joy. That was David's response to God's faithfulness. So what do we think our response must be? The same thing. Joy, thankfulness, gratefulness, faithfulness, obedience, to his stated commands. David was a man after God's own heart. He had many embarrassing moments, as do we. But deep down inside, he just loved the Lord more than all his mistakes. And if we could get that, if we could really get that, David loved the Lord even more than his mistakes. So he didn't sit and major on his mistakes. He majored on the Lord's presence. He had his head, his head up looking at the Lord and gazing at his beauty. So 
So what is going to pull us, what is going to cause you to, to, to walk forward with more faithfulness, with more thankfulness, with more gratefulness? Love the Lord. It sounds simple, but it's really not. Because in the moment, I'm telling you, I, I think I have reasons to really focus on what's not going right in this person's life or what's not going right here or what could happen here. No. You love the Lord more even than, than your mistakes. Love the Lord more even than a temporary failure. And let me tell you, he's going to pull you up out of it every time. David loved the Lord so much that he refused to quit even when his heart has failed. Psalm 73 has been a lifeline for me, for me many times. When I have experienced heart failure and I could not breathe. Yeah, but even when my heart does fail, you are my strength. I'm making, I'm making you my refuge. This is the call that the Lord is, is, is shouting out to all of us. He's speaking to you, Elijah. Even when your heart fails. You are the strength of my heart. And even when I feel my strength letting go, you don't let me go. This inspired him to write something as a standard for his life and his entire nation. And it's now a standard for us. So many, so many things that we could say. The reason you see us all fired up is because we can feel God's heart in this room. We can feel the Lord's heart towards his people. Thank God it's not the strength of our heart that keeps us going. I think, I think why, you know, Linton's over here saying when our heart fails, isn't it just a huge acknowledgement just to say it does fail flatly sometimes and completely? You know, I know I can reflect on when I first encountered the Lord's presence, and you can too. When you first encountered the Lord's presence, did you just sit there and self-loathe for all of the things you've done wrong? No. You see, no one who's stranded at sea is angry, embarrassed, because a ship comes to rescue them. No. They're thankful. They feel so grateful for the captain of that ship. They want to do something for him because their life was saved. See, when I first encountered the Lord's presence, I didn't sit there and self-loathe because I was seeing the Lord for the first time. You mean to tell me that there's a God who has a supreme love for me to die for me? You mean to tell me that there is a God that wants to give purpose to my life? You mean to explain this interaction that I'm having with the heavens through this great creator that wants to actually help me do his will and help me grow? I wasn't self-loathing in that moment. So why then do I self-loathe every time that something is revealed in me the many years after? Well, I guess it might be because I feel like I messed up a good thing. Or I feel like a son that's failed his father. Or I feel like I had something that's so pure and now I've just trashed it. The truth is the Lord doesn't care about any of that. He is the same God who brought salvation to me then. And he's the same God who's bringing salvation to me now. And it's proving to me that he's the same God who will bring salvation to me tomorrow. Amen. That causes me to not hate my weakness so much anymore. But thank God that it, he's just at least still working inside of me. See, that's, that's David's summary at the end of his life. Who am I that you've given me all of this just to give back to you? The thankfulness and gratefulness.
As Linton said, this inspired him to write something as a standard for his life and his entire nation. What we're about to read is David's summary of reviewing all of the works of God that had gone before him. He had the Torah of Moses, and he saw all of the many sovereign works of God and everything God said about himself. He had the works of Joshua and the people of God that went into the land and how God faithfully brought them to conquer giants. He also had the judges, of well, the judges as well, and he understood what causes captivity. He also had the record of Samuel's life and saw a man, despite all odds, stand for God and take the right stand over and over again. He saw in Samuel's life what intimacy with God would produce for the nation. And when he reflected on these things and the works of Adonai in his own life, he wrote this psalm as a charter for his life and for all of his kingdom, everyone under his rule. This is Psalm 101. In response and thankfulness to God, David said, I will sing of your Lord and I will sing of your love and justice. To you, O Lord, I will sing praise. I will be careful to lead a blameless life. When will you come to me? I will walk in my house with a blameless heart. I will set my eye, set before my eyes no vile thing. The deeds of faithless men I hate, they shall not cling to me. Men of perverse heart shall be far from me. I will have nothing to do with evil. Whoever slanders his neighbor in secret, him I will put to silence. Whoever has haughty eyes and a proud heart, him I will not endure. My eyes will be on the faithful in the land that they may dwell with me. He whose walk is blameless will minister to, to me. No one who practices deceit will dwell in my house. No one who speaks falsely will stand in my presence. Every morning I will put to silence all the wicked in the land. I will cut off every evildoer from the city of the Lord. You see, this was David's commitment in response to all of Adonai's faithfulness and goodness to him. You should be thinking of the psalm that says, how can I repay the Lord for all of his goodness? Oh, I will keep my, I will, uh, I will repay my vows in the assembly. This was David's commitment in response to the goodness of God throughout all of the nation's history and his own life. In his thankfulness and gratefulness, he committed to these seven things out of his great love for Adonai to please him. This is the commitment that we also will make in our life and in our kingdom. This is the commitment that we get to make in our kingdom and in our households. We are all in the hands of a great and sovereign God who loves us and is fighting for us. There's not one of us who is great, but we are in the hands of a great God who's fighting for us. Doesn't that make you want to commit to these things for your kingdom? This is how we can respond to him in gratefulness. Stand up with us. Let's put up that slide. This is the goal. And this is what we're going to do. Every man and woman, every family, we're going to walk out of here 
doing these seven things and carry it on to completion. See, in verse 1, we're going to focus on the steadfast love and justice of our God. We're not going to focus on our own failures. We're not going to focus on the past. We're going to focus on his steadfast love and his justice. We're going to walk in integrity in our homes. We're going to choose in a new, revigorated way in, in view of his faithfulness to choose to walk in a new level of integrity, just like Asaph. See, in number, in number three, we're going to choose to know nothing of evil. No longer are we going to let our thoughts drift of why are they doing this, why do they do that. No, we're going to choose to focus upon the, the Lord and the Lord alone. We're going to choose to focus upon him sitting upon the throne and let nothing take our eyes away from that. See, we're going to choose to destroy secret slander. And honestly, it, it reveals the arrogance of our own heart. We're going to choose to walk out of here in the favor of the faithful. We're going to decimate deceit. We're going to utterly destroy it underfoot because in a view of his faithfulness, it has to fall. We are going to fulfill this charter morning by morning. So as, yes, it's true, we're heading towards a close, but this is his faithfulness towards us. David's, David allowed his last, his last dying breath. He had an integrity, and he said, you know what, what would I want? What is the, all the kings before me, all the men of God before me, what does it all mean? And he has blessed us with this charter. See, we have the ability to take that which has been given to us and to multiply it and to be the exponent factor. See, this is not a heavy thing. This is not a heavy, this is a joyous occasion because we're seeing David's heart and we get to live it out and say, no, that wasn't for nothing that is just written in that book. No, that was written with the very blood and I choose with my life to give my blood to see this accomplished. Sunday, I took ownership of that passage. And if we take ownership of this in our lives, it's going to mean the survival of ministry to the third and the fourth generation. This is how we, we take this way of life, and it makes it 100 years, 200 years. When we never let our love grow cold. When we never let our adoration and our response to his uh, faithfulness grow dim in our lives. So we're, we're going to take this. And we're going to put it into practice. There's a reason we, we brought it back up because we're not done with it as a church. No, this is going to be written in our Bibles. This is going to be what you teach your children of how we love the Lord as we do what we're called to do. We're going to respond to God's faithfulness in the same way that David did by putting these things into practice. So as we close tonight, make it your solemn oath and your solemn commitment to put the word of God in the practice and the benefit from it and do it from this do it from this standpoint you're not earning anything he already has his hand upon you he is the one that got you to where you are now he is the one who is strengthening you to be able to give just like David gave so worship with us and do it with joy do it with thankfulness because you know that he is the only reason that you are here and he is the reason that you will remain until the end of days. Father, we thank you, Lord God. We thank you for your love and your faithfulness to us, Lord God. 
Father, we praise you for your steadfast love and your justice, mighty God. Lord, we worship you in this place, Father. And as we go out, Lord, to put these things into practice, we will do it knowing, God, that you are the faithful God. You are the one who has never let us go. And you will strengthen us again and again.